Good day. It's a great day. I, I love what Brett said. Jesus is still alive and he's still on his throne. And uh, even though it's not Easter, every Sunday ought to be Easter, right? Uh, man, wasn't the worship just great? Great to have uh, James back up here after he and Emily had a little able. They took some time off and... and uh, it's good to have James back up here. Uh, let me make a quick announcement, if I could, before we open God's Word today. Uh, over 10 years ago, it's probably been 15, my, my uh, mind just doesn't work with time very well, but I was reading through the Community Impact, and it had a list of all the schools in uh, Round Rock ISD in there. And it had their uh, standings and this kind of stuff. And as I read through it, there was one school that was academically unacceptable, is the terms that were used. And that was Blue Bonnet Elementary. Well, my heart broke with that because Blue Bonnet is located just over in Chisholm Valley, and not, not far from us. And so I called up the principal and I made an appointment with her uh, at the time, and we just sat down and talked, and how can we get involved to help? And uh, Blue Bonnet Elementary is a Title I school, a bilingual school, and uh, wasn't really able to have a PTA of sorts and, and this kind of thing. So we got involved, and uh, we got involved whole hog, I mean, uh, in many different ways. Uh, education Connection, many of you have been involved in that over at uh, Blue Bonnet. COVID kind of did a number on that. But our ladies' ministry has done an excellent job of monthly taking care of the teachers and faculty, and they very much appreciate us when Disciple Now comes around or Love the Rock we always do something at Blue Bonnet. Well, we, uh, our ladies' ministry and we at Central love to bless the teachers at teacher appreciation in the end of uh, the uh, school year, and that's coming up. And what we like to do is we like to give a $25 gift card to all of the uh, teachers and faculty. And there's over 70 of them on that campus. And so what we like to do is through ABFs or groups or individuals to be able to cut that expense. And so uh, our ladies are going to be doing that uh, here really quick. So if you would like to help um, in that area, you can go to our webpage. And on the giving, there's a drop of uh, menu and you can uh, mark blue bonnet and give whatever you would like to give, or you can just give through your uh, ABF or, or whatever. But we love to bless, and, and I can say this, that uh, Blue Bonnet Elementary is no longer academically unacceptable. I, I think there was a lot of things involved there, but I think uh, Rich, which are, was a really big thing was Central getting involved there. So their family do us. Uh, Sam Soto is the principal over there. Many of you know Sam and 
Sam's a great guy, and uh, we consider them family just like they consider us family. So if you would like to help, uh, please, please step in and do that. So that's my advertisement for the day. Uh, we're going to begin a new study in, in Galatians, and I, I will set that up for you. Uh, but let me, let me give you a little bit of a thought pattern as we get into this. There was a book written, uh, it's a biographical book to a, a certain sort. It's called The Heavenly Man, and uh, many of you may have read this. It's a guy, uh, about a guy named Brother Yon, and uh, Brother Yon, uh, uh, he's still alive, but he was in China when Christianity was totally outlawed and everything was done in underground churches. And Brother Yun kind of gives a history of the underground church and what took place and the incredible uh, harsh things that they were under. Well, Brother Yun tells it. Uh, I read the book, and I, I'll never forget it. He said, all some of our groups had, underground churches had, was a page out of the Bible. In other words, it is a page that had been torn out of the Bible, and that's all they had. And he said they would saturate that page, and they would worship Jesus and praise just with one page. He said, then we started getting whole Bibles. And he said these underground churches would get a Bible, and he said they would saturate. Everything would be about the Scriptures. When things started loosening up in China, uh, Bible organizations sent big boxes of Bibles, and so Bibles be, became more uh, prevalent for the people. But what happened, I'll never forget this in reading the book, he said they started dropping denominational literature into the boxes and said what eventually started happening is because certain underground churches would get certain boxes and certain ones other boxes. He said what happened is they divisions started to uh, rise up because they started reading the denominational literature instead of just the pure, unadulterated Word of God. And what happened is, is divisions started coming up in the underground churches. And, uh, you know, we talk about divisions within the body of Christ. Isn't it amazing how simply it can happen when you start getting away from the unadulterated purity of the Word of God and started start thinking uh, as man thinks instead of how God thinks. And what happens is divisions come up. And that's what Paul is addressing in the book of Galatians. These people had come to a pure faith in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, divisions start coming up. And, and what he is addressing here is a, a group of people who... Uh, uh, they were known as Judaizers, but let me, let me give you a little background so you understand that before we read the scriptures. Paul would come in. They, the, uh, in, in Galatia area, they were mainly Gentiles, but there would be some Jews there, and they would come to a pure, 
uh, freedom, forgiveness, exciting love of Jesus. And then these Judaizers would come in. I call them the uh, freedom robbers or the freedom police. You know, they're going to shoot it down. And so what they came in to say is before you can embrace Jesus, you have to embrace all the Jewish laws first before you embrace Christ. And what, what was happening is, is that purity of following Jesus, all of a sudden the joy and life got sucked out of it by these legalists that come in and say, oh, you have to do this. Well, if you read in the book of Acts, especially in Acts chapter 15, what happened was, is this was creating an incredible conflict. And so what Paul, and with the help of Barnabas, they went to meet in Jerusalem with the, uh, basically the early church fathers led by James. And uh, they met to what was called the Jerusalem Council. And what do we do with these Gentiles that are coming to faith? But these people are saying, oh, you've got to embrace the law before you can come to faith in Jesus Christ. So the, uh, the apostles that were left in uh, Jerusalem got together and talked. And uh, they prayed, they fasted, and they came forth and said, if we couldn't even keep it, who, who are we to say these Gentile converts have to keep the law before they can come to Christ? That's not right. And so they came back and said, listen, it's by faith in Christ alone, by grace. You don't keep the law so that man's hands aren't in it. So this is what's happening. So Paul wrote the letter of Galatia, and in fact, it's the oldest uh, uh, thing we have in the New Testament. It was the first letter written that is actually in the uh, scriptures. And so he's having to address this. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Galatians 1, because I think, and you may be asking, how does this pertain to us? Well, we've been notorious, and I say we've, uh, I think I have to throw myself in there, that we have been guilty of, yes, it's Jesus, but we start adding things to them, and what we do is we become legalists, and we suck the joy out of a pure, unadulterated faith, in Jesus Christ. You know what I'm talking about? And, and it's not meant to be. It's not Jesus plus keep the law. It's not Jesus plus a code of ethics. It's Jesus. And so we sometimes are guilty of sucking the joy and the life out of people uh, by adding demands on them that the scriptures never add. And so the letter of Galatians is... Uh, you realize a letter was not divided into chapter and verses. Those came later. But there's six chapters in the book of Galatians. The first two are very personal from Paul. The second two, chapters 3 and 4, are maybe uh, what we consider more doctrinal. Uh, doctrine is not a bad word. is the structure of the Word of God. And then verses, uh, chapters 5 and 6... 
uh, deal with how you practically live that out. And we will walk through this uh, so that you will understand more and more. But I think it's as pertinent today as ever. So uh, Galatians 1, and I, allow me to read and then stop and commentate, and, and we'll go from there. Galatians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle or a messenger, uh, not for men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. Let's stop just a moment. This is part of the introduction of Paul. He, he's very good in his introductions of building the people up, setting the groundwork before he jumps in uh, too deep. But Paul is saying this, listen, I did not choose to be an apostle, nor did you choose me to be an apostle. I am not an apostle because of my good deeds and my talents and my gifts. I am an apostle. I am a messenger of Jesus Christ because he chose me to be a messenger of, of his kingdom. And uh, the way I look at it is um, I, when I was a kid, I, uh, I remember going to get a suit. And, and uh, uh, is Colby in here? Uh, Colby, stand up, Colby. Doesn't, doesn't he look good? Uh, Colby looks good. Uh, Colby works at Men's Warehouse, right? And uh, I remember as a kid, I remember going to get a suit. And I'd go with my mom. And back in those days, suits did not have cuffs or hems in them. They just had the material. And so what happens is, is that you get that suit and you would stand in front of the mirror and this guy would start making alterations so that he uh, was developing a custom-made suit just for you. It wouldn't, wouldn't fit anybody else. It was just custom-made for you. I think what, what Paul is getting across here is that, listen, when I came to Christ, what he did is he custom-made a purpose just for me. And what he's saying is, you did not choose me to do it. I did not even choose to do it. It's not because my talents and gifts. It's because Jesus Christ has set me apart for this. And so some of you in this room thinking, oh, I'm not that big a deal. You are a huge deal. You've been custom-made by the Father for a specific purpose. So don't buy into what other people have said your identity is. I want you to know you're custom made by the Father. And that's what Paul is saying. Listen, I didn't choose this. God chose me for this. And so God has a great plan for you. And he's writing this letter, he says, to Galatia, to churches in Galatia. So it's not just one congregation. It's multiple congregations that they would read this letter in. And I believe that we are part of that to the, uh, this very moment today. Let's look at verse 3. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, 
to whom be the glory forever and ever. Once again, Paul in his greetings is just declaring the truth in the groundwork of how he has the authority to write this letter. And he says, he starts out by saying grace. You see, grace is a Jesus word, man. You don't hear grace. I, I don't know I'm talking about, let's say grace before a meal. That's what I want to talk about. I'm talking about grace. Uh, maybe you've heard the acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's what grace is. It, it's a grace thing. You didn't earn it. It was a gift that was given to you. I was out uh, mowing the year, uh, yard uh, several years ago, and Pam was out of town, so I was out there mowing. And uh, these uh, um, Mormon missionaries came um, down the street. And I thought, what the heck? I got time. My wife's away. Uh, let's, just, let's just go for it. And so I cut the lawnmower off. They came up. And uh, they start talking, and they're asking me questions, so which opened the door for me to ask questions of them as to what they really believe. You know, I, I always feel for these young missionaries because they're away from home, and they're dealing with a false gospel, and, and uh, they're, they're out there. And so I, I just want to love them uh, properly. And, uh, but I asked them, I said, tell me about grace. And they fumbled. They could not handle grace. And, and the deal, all false teaching that is works-oriented has a struggle with grace. And, you know, Jesus came just dishing out grace. And we need to be grace dispensers ourselves. Sometimes we come across as legalists, and uh, we need to be more grace-filled. But, but uh, people struggle with this grace. But my, Paul, man, he... He lays it out, um, and notice in verse 4, he even lays out the gospel here. He says uh, that Jesus gave himself for our sin. He became sin who knew no sin, so that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so he says he gave himself for our sin, and then he says this, he gave himself to deliver us from this evil age. Uh, we think things are bad today, and, and I granted, uh, the church is always going to be under attack. Anytime you stand on an absolute truth, you're going to get attacked. Uh, it's just the way things are. But, you know, we can say, well, we're, we're on the verge of being a post-Christian nation to an anti-Christian nation, but... I want you to know it's nothing compared to the first century church. Uh, the first century church was birthed in a very pagan, immoral, sensual uh, climate and culture. And here they come along with a moral code, with a love for one another. And, uh, and Paul is saying, listen, Jesus Christ has come to for our sin, but also to deliver us from this evil age. So if you're going through a hard time today, I want you to know the power of Jesus Christ wants to deliver you from this evil age that we live in. And I also want you to know this, Jesus is the ultimate will of God. 
And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But let's pick it up in verse 6. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and so now I say again, if anyone is preaching, it is Oh, I messed up. Oh, there it is. You you do this twice and this is going to happen. Let me start over. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. I want want to deal with three, three things in this particular passage. Number one is... He talks about desertion. He talks about, I can't believe that you are deserting the gospel that was preached to you for another gospel. In other words, false teachers were coming in and they were walking away from their pure, unadulterated faith. I want you to know that oftentimes we desert the faith. And you're saying, well, Mark, I never wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to turn my back on you, or I'm going to enter into the sin area today. I'm just forewarning you that I'm going to do this today. That's not what happens. You know as well as I do, we're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. We're pro, uh, we, we enter into a slow fade, right? It's not like we woke up and just said, oh, I, I, I'm going to do this. It's a slow fade, and we make decisions and these little decisions lead to bigger decisions. And then the next thing you know, this gap has widened. Uh, the way I look at it, Hansel and Gretel and the breadcrumbs, you know, the breadcrumbs lead uh, to destruction. And what happens is, is sheep, they say that's about sheep, that sheep will nibble themselves into lostness. They'll, they'll keep their heads down and nibble and nibble and nibble into lostness. That's what we do. We snack on the world. We snack on the culture. Oh, that's not that big a deal. It's uh, not that big a sin. It's not that big a deal. And the next thing you know, we've drifted from the Father. And what Paul is saying, I can't believe that you've so quickly deserted your faith and uh, to accept another gospel. And, uh, and this drifting happens. But let me explain to you the gospel. And I'm going to explain it to you real simple. First of all, the gospel is about a person. And that person is Jesus. It, the gospel is not about a code of conduct. It's not about a religious organization. It's not about um, a gathering. It's about a person. It's about Jesus himself. It's a relationship versus religious activity. Um, And we are often guilty 
of proclaiming a relationship, and then when somebody comes to that relationship, we say, oh, by the way, you need to do this and this and this and this. And the next thing you know, we've burned them out instead of flaming that life that needs to be there. But it's about a person, okay? So if somebody starts talking to you about a person that you are responsible to other than Jesus, blow it off. It's about Jesus. So it's about a person, the gospel about his person. But number two, it's about a price that was paid. And that paid payment was made by Jesus and not by you. Um, I've come to the conclusion that the one thing I added to my salvation was I sinned. And I realized I was broken. Because what, what happened is, is Jesus paid the price. It cost him everything. It cost him everything. I'm reminded of the story of, of the man and his wife that were walking across an open field on a they thought was a clear day, but a storm came up and it started to rain and then it started hail. And he took his coat off and he put it over his wife to protect her, but the, the hail started coming heavier and they knew they couldn't outrun it. So they got as low as they could in the grass and, and he put his self across his wife. And as the hail came, it finally subsided. And uh, they... He was bumped and bruised, but no brokenness uh, as far as they could tell. And she was asked later about the hailstorm and about what her husband did. And she said, you know, every time I see the scars, I love him more. And, you know, that's what Jesus did for us. You cannot forget the price he paid for us. And every time we think of the scars, we ought to love him more. It's about a person. And it was about a price that was paid. And it's about a purpose. The purpose is not just to get you to heaven someday. And that's great. But if that's the case, why did he not take you out or take me out the moment I embraced him? It's because he has a purpose. And the purpose is to deliver us from this evil age so we can shine the light of the gospel so that other people may respond. So simplistically, the gospel is a person, Jesus, and the price he paid because we were flawed and the purpose he has for us once we, once we live out this life. I want you to get that because this is the gospel they deserted. And secondly, he said there's people that distort the gospel. The, in other words, they twist the truth. Uh, uh, we call it a lie, basically, but they twist the truth. And a little bit of truth, but with a hint of a lie. Every false teaching that exists has a little bit of truth in it. Every religion that exists in this world has a little bit of truth in it. 
But that truth has been mixed with a lie. And the false teaching either take the gospel and they add to or they take away. In other words, you hear, yes, we believe in Jesus plus this. Or, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but we also believe this. And so a false teaching and a distortion comes up. And so what Paul says is, I can't believe you've deserted these people that distort the gospel. And basically, he says this, you consider them accursed. And accursed literally means eternally condemned. It means they must go. You must get them out. You must get that foulness out of there. And so they are to be accursed. And that sounds awful hard. But what basically he's saying is, is that, listen, even if an angel from heaven were to walk into this room today and we were to say, whoa, I can't believe an angel from heaven is here. And they started presenting a gospel other than the person of Jesus and started adding to it. He said, they're cursed. Even that angel is cursed. So if somebody is teaching a gospel other than Jesus and the price he paid for our sin, then that person is to be accursed. Let's go to verse 10 right quick. Wrap this up. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Rhetorical question to answer in your spirit. In your deepest recesses of your being, why do you do what you do? Maybe you were just taught to do what you do. But really, it's this. Are you doing this to please yourself? Are you doing this to please your heavenly Father? You've got to ask yourself why you do what you do. Is it for pats on the back from others, or is it to receive the pleasure of your heavenly Father? There was a man that was playing a violin. He was incredibly good. He came to a, a concert hall and his manager set it up and 2,000 people were there. The place was packed. And he, he went into the concert and he played and at the end, uh, 1,999 people stood with an ovation of applause and he walked off the platform and he, he was distraught and his manager said, I can't believe that. Hear the applause that it's coming. And he said, he's turned to his manager and he said, but you see the man on the front row who did not stand? That's my father and also my teacher. And if I do not please him, it doesn't matter who else I please. I think in life, we, we get 
robbed of so much pleasure from our Father because we're trying to please others. How many of you are firstborns in the room? Right, quick. Okay. Uh, the world revolves around you. Uh, now, you, you firstborns are very black and white, and uh, you, you, you want to order the world. And uh, because when you were born, you were the firstborn, and your parents had not had a child before, and so you're the greatest thing ever. And, uh, and they put you on the stage, uh, they show your pictures all the time, look what they can do, and so you learn really at a real early age, because some of you uh, came on down the line, and you know, Ben and Amy, you got on down the line. See, you're the, you're the black and white. But, um, but what happens is on down the line, you don't care. You just want to get them raised. But that first one, but you know what I'm saying. But it's not just firstborn. We all struggle with a man-pleasing spirit. And Paul is saying, listen, listen, I'm to please the Father above all else. Um, let me give you so what, because you're thinking, so what does this mean? You've taught 10 verses. What does that mean? Let me give you three questions to probe your spirit today. Number one is this. Have you responded to the true gospel? I don't mean, have you joined church? I don't mean, have you been baptized? I don't mean, even though we're going to be baptizing in a couple of weeks, uh, some of you need to take that step of obedience because you've been holding off and you know the Holy Spirit's been prompting you. But have you responded to the true gospel? And here's what, here's what I'm saying. Not are you going to go to heaven and not hell. I, I wonder, have you understood that your sinfulness, your brokenness, your fault in your system has, has taken you away from the relationship with the heavenly father and that's why jesus came to die on a cruel cross to take your sin upon himself and you respond to that gospel you respond to what he has done for you and the bible says you were born again it says you're a new creation in christ but have you responded to the true gospel is there i i look at it this way would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you as a follower of Jesus? Is there enough evidence? Have you responded to the true gospel? If not, why not? I, I, I've learned this, that if I've heard the gospel, I'm not, God is not obligated to give me another opportunity. He said that all will hear the gospel. But if I've heard it and not responded, he's not obligated to give me another opportunity. So, have you responded to the true gospel? Number two is this. Is your walk with Jesus vibrant and alive today? Is your walk with Jesus vibrant and alive today? Or have you had a slow 
fade and you, you know that things are not right and you, you've questioned and there's a barrier there and, and it's just not vibrant and alive the way he meant for it to be. And so I know, I know what we do because I do this. I think, man, I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to, you know, that's not what saved me. What saved me was coming to the point of emptiness and saying, Father, I need you. And so we need him. We've entered into this slow fade. We need him to come and, and breathe a fresh wind. So is your walk with Jesus vibrant and alive? And then thirdly is this. Are you bound up with a man-pleasing stronghold? Are you bound up with a man-pleasing stronghold? Uh, and listen, I, I know we don't want to be offensive. I, I struggle with uh, Christians that just want to be belligerent and offensive. Uh, but we want to share the absolute truth. And the gospel is offensive. And uh, because it, it calls for a heart transformation. But we don't want to be odd for God in, in that we just come across abrasive. We want to lovingly share, share with people the gospel. But we want to do it in such a way that we please our Father. I, I know I, I, I battle this because especially when I have a real hard message that I have to get across, and I know it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be greeted by everybody. You know, part of you says, oh, I, wanna, I want everybody to be happy. But, you know, it's just not that way. We, we, we've got to please our Father in all we do. So have you responded to the true gospel? Is your walk with Jesus vibrant and alive? And are you bound up with a man-pleasing stronghold? If you're bound up in a man-pleasing stronghold, you're thinking, what do I do? Well, number one, you've got to agree with God that that's a problem. That's confession. You agree with God that that's a problem. Number two is you cry out to him. Three, you repent. You turn from that. You want to please the Father, and that's what you want to do. I wrap up with this. This morning, I left the house a little after six and, and uh, coming up here to the office and everything. And uh, we live out behind Old Settlers Park. Now, uh, uh, you know, there's tons of ball fields out there and the Round Rock Sports Complex and everything. And, and uh, a little after six, all the lights were on. Man, and, and I'm going by there, and I'm thinking, man, that's so inviting. Um, you know, people were already, after six, starting to show up. I'm thinking, that's crazy. But it, it was so inviting. It was like, welcome, come. And, uh, and I, 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 all of a sudden, I drifted. I drove all right, babe, but I drifted uh, <laughs> in my mind. I thought when I was a kid, when I was a kid and played Little League Baseball, I was one of those kids, if I played Saturday morning, I wanted to put my uniform on Friday night. Uh, 
if I played a game and it was on a night, school night or, or whatever, I wanted to put my uniform on as soon as possible because I wanted, I wanted the excitement of, of going and doing that and just be a part. And, and this morning I thought about that, just the, the lights on and how people, when I drive home in a little bit, there's going to be tons of people out there doing what they're doing. But um, I thought about this, I, I, and it, it gave me a tinge of conviction. I thought, Lord, do I follow you, and do I do what I do because I got to or I get to? And that was conviction for me. And I thought, Lord, I want to put on my uniform early for you. I want to please you with what's happening.